0: You're listening to the Inner Voyage podcast with me, Mike, an American tennis professional and Medusadon, a spiritual author and doctor from India. From completely different backgrounds, we've come together to talk about a wide range of topics. Medusadon's spiritual wisdom combined with my experience from the tennis tour give the listener two completely different perspectives. The Inner Voyage begins now. All right, welcome to another episode of the Inner Voyage podcast. And I'm excited today to talk about karma because I'm a big believer in this uh, sort of universal law of justice. And I firmly believe that, you know, life's kind of like a boomerang. Whatever thoughts, words, action you put out there or throw out there comes back. You know, there's sayings, you reap what you sow, what goes around comes around. And, you know, I'm... I've seen it in my life and I know from playing on the tennis tour, it feels like there is a cosmic scorecard of how much positivity or negativity you put out has real percussions or implications later on. I mean, it it might not be that day, it might take time, but it feels like things do have a way of coming full circle. But anyways, I'm looking forward to your initial thoughts on karma. So uh, what do you think, Vadisthan? Is karma a real thing?
1: Hey, Mike. It's great to be back with you again, as always. Karma is a really beautiful topic, and uh, I've actually written a chapter, a uh, series of chapters uh, in my book regarding karma and about understanding karma. Uh, Because I feel that, you know, it is uh, greatly used in today's day and age, but it's sparingly understood by many people. So before we begin into the detailed aspects of karma, uh, you know, I'm reminded of the uh, Hindu philosophy or the Indian philosophy, which really talks about the types of karma to begin with. Uh, So there is uh, the first reference is about the Sanchita Karma. Which is basically the vast uh, store of you know accumulated actions in the past uh, of the f- of which the fruit hasn't been reaped. So it is like a past karma. Then you have the agami karma, which is basically like the future, right? which is unsure and in in suspense. So basically, these are that uh, the actions are yet to fructify, and uh, the fruit of which uh, will will be reaped in this birth or this life. And then we have, uh, the Prabhata Karma, which is basically the immediate present. Uh, you know, it is the most important because, uh, this time we are making karma, which is, uh, based on our Sanchita Karma, that is the past karma, and the Agami Karma, that is the future karma. So this is the, the turning point of the crucial point. Now the, the primary focus when we talk about karma is like, People get scared when they talk about or hear about karma. Oh, karma means, you know, it's going to be bad. And, uh, you know, it's always used in the negative sense. But isn't karma such a beautiful topic? Because when we talk about, uh, you know, what goes around, comes around or what you do, you get back. So it is so beautiful, right? If you do good, then you are going to get good. And uh, that's such a good thing. And it's so good to be happy about it. But the problem now lies is in the understanding of karma, which actually makes people scared and skeptical. So it's actually a misnomer when we say karma, it is basically to notion than to action. Because I feel that our thoughts determine karma more than our action. Now to elaborate this further, uh, you know, just take for an example that you have a doctor who uh, cuts your stomach. In order to cure you, and you have a robber or a thief who cuts your stomach to steal you. Now, the action of the robber and the doctor is both the same, both are cutting your stomach. But the intention or the notion or the thought behind that action determines the karma so in the in the case of the doctor we tell it's a good karma but in the case of the robber or thief we tell it's a bad karma so that 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 is a primary focus and importance that uh, we should understand that our notions determine our karma so it is not necessarily that uh you know what we do is building our karma but rather even with the positive mindset or positive thinking we can make great karmas for ourselves now some of the skeptics out there might be you know who want to manipulate karma might be thinking that uh, you know let's just have good thoughts and uh, you know maybe do wrong actions and steal and stuff and uh, you know god knows what So for that, uh, I have, you know, I have dealt with this question prior as well. So for that, uh, it is of primary importance to understand that you can escape anybody, you can tell lies to anyone, you can escape from anyone, but you cannot escape from your own mind. And the lockbook of this karma or the balance sheet of this karma is in your mind because you know if you're doing wrong and even if you have a positive mindset the guilt factor will play and the mind will keep reminding you that you have cheated you have manipulated and that's when you know you're going to, you're bound to have the negative thought and you're bound to uh, you know have the consequences of karma so that was my initial thoughts on karma uh, however uh, I would like to know your experiences uh, that you've had with karma. And now that we understand that it's more to do with our notions than the real actions. So if um, anything that you have experienced in the past.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you Medusa Don that sometimes with bad karma, it's the inner feelings that, that are the worst and the most damaging. It's that emotional suffering of carrying that guilt or remorse. And, you know, when it comes to the tour, You know, you play matches, and a a lot of times there's a decision whether to be fair to your opponent or not, treat your opponent kindly or not, and you should always try to do good and be good because I feel that (laughs) it does come full circle. I think good does prevail in the end, and it's tough to win a match and have those feelings of of guilt. I, I, you know, I treated my the umpire wrong. I treated my opponent wrong. So you always want to to lead with the right foot forward. Um, you want to be nice to fans. Treat everyone with respect, whether it be drivers or tournament officials or or whatever. And you know you want to leave a, a legacy on tour where people can you know look back and say you know this guy was a great guy. He um, did all he could to give back to the game. You know I, I think your um, accolades are are forgotten. But um, what really stays with people is how you were as a human being. So um, with that said, you know, I think guys that I look up to are are guys like Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal. These guys play hard. They play um, with a lot of class. You know, they're fair. They treat all their fellow competitors with a lot of respect, you know, Roger Federer will have a conversation with you, you know, an hour before he's playing the finals of Wimbledon per se. So he um, gives back with his time and um, he sees, you know, the tour and other people outside of his personal bubble. He has a better perspective where he, you know, he just treats people how he wants to be treated. And so that that's key because I think tennis can be a very uh, self-absorbed sport, where you're always worrying about how you're feeling, how you're doing, it's, it's so competitive out there, and you're always trying to get ahead of the next guy, but to um, you know, have some care toward your um, opponents, have care toward other people, and get out of your personal bubble. But with that said, Medusa and I, in, in my view, I think good karma comes from more of a selfless way of thinking and acting, and bad karma It comes from selfish thinking and actions, but uh, what do you think the best ways to deal with karma are?
1: So when we talk about how to deal with karma, we must first understand that how and why is karma formed? So karma is formed due to our thoughts and it is formed as it wants to teach us something in this lifetime. The lesson is of primary importance and the situation that is uh, the so-called situation that is created with our mind, you know, the the surrounding, you know, which might seem unfavorable is actually trying to teach us something. And once we get that lesson, we transcend, we move toward the next level of karma or uh, the new life that uh, is waiting for us. So until we learn that, uh, karma is always going to be that there. So now uh, the beautiful reference of dealing with karma comes from Ramanan uh, Maharshi, he, who is a great Indian philosopher. So once uh, he was uh, diagnosed with cancer, and uh, the moment uh, the doctor told him that, uh, you know, you have cancer and maybe you won't, be, uh, you won't be able to survive after this and stuff like that, he used to laugh. And uh, anytime his uh, disciples used to come him, uh, come to him and talk about cancer, he, he just used to laugh it out. And uh, people were worried because at that time, uh, India was not so well uh, medically equipped that we could, uh, you know, de- uh, uh, I mean, cancer was considered as, uh, even today, it's considered as a killer. And, uh, you know, there is not much cure, uh, you know, that can get you out of it. But he always used to take it as laughing. Uh, so once when the disciple asked him that uh, why you like what is uh, this like why do you take it so lightly so that time raman uh, Maharshi told him that it is uh, my karma that is come in the form of cancer and it is trying to teach me something and the day i realized that this was my lesson out of it and uh, you know it, it's gonna go so why don't i take it, take it as a learning and you know embrace it because I know that this is not going to stay for long. Uh you know it's killing my karma like uh you know it's getting nullified it's getting it's coming to zero. So that was a beautiful approach to life that uh you know and you know rather than getting upset or worked up just try to explore what life is trying to teach you what is the karma trying to teach us and uh, th- that's how we can transcend to new new learnings and new uh pathways to life uh, that it has to offer us. So, Mike, I think uh, ego has a very big role when we talk about uh, karma and the karma formation. Uh, you know, as we talked in the previous episode on karma, that uh, uh, and, uh, ego is nothing but the perception that we hold about ourselves, which is nothing but the notion. And, uh, you know, these thoughts, when accumulate, uh, they lead to the karma and the karmic action. So, I would like to understand from you that uh, in, in the, the tennis field, have you realized, uh, you know, where there is ego involved with the players and uh, stuff like that? Does karma hit back or, uh, you know, does karma really be favorable f- to those who are really uh, helpful and supportive or something like that? If you can just throw some light upon that.
0: That's a great question, Medusa. And I think the ego can be heavily prevalent on the tour. Tennis is a very selfish sport, um, just the nature of it because you're always worried about performing and taking care of you because to win on tour, it's, it's a lot of effort. And so it can almost be a 24-hour-a-day job of, of eating, sleeping, working on your mind, strategy, your game. And so, you know, that's not very uh, conducive to being uh, super generous and kind to people because if you're always thinking about you, then um, you know you're in your own world and you're very self-absorbed. So um, I think the greats have a way of of balancing this. A lot of great champions know how to turn on the selfish nature um, and then turn it off. And with the ego, you know it, it's it's a mechanism that protects you and it's always worried about your, your safety, and um, you know it's it's worried about being in danger and the scarcity uh fact and you know the tour can be a, a tough place cuz a couple bad tournaments and uh, a bad run of matches and you can lose your job so you have to have a a perspective on this and you have to know when to snap out of this this selfish nature some guys can't do it you know you see them they're they're in their um, they got their headphones on in the locker room, and they're just walking around, and it's like me against the world, you know. And some guys are very jealous when um, other players are winning. They they won't congratulate them for winning tournaments, and you know that's that's not the way to live. I, I think the the way to be the most happy is to have you know good intentions toward other people and give back when you can. Um, I have a lot of respect for Andre Agassi. You know, he devoted. A lot of his time and his, his energy to raising money for kids and he started uh, his foundation and he really set the example for a lot of these um, top players to give their time and um, devote their energies to making a difference in the world and, and helping kids or, or whatever cause. Um, but yeah, he Andre Agassi inspired my brother and I to start the Brian Brothers Foundation where we raise Money for kids and their and their education and try to get them in universities and so, yeah. This is um, the ego can really take hold if you're not careful, um, just because of the the selfish nature of tennis and the fact that you're you're usually out there on your own on an island. You have people catering to to your needs and it's easy to to blow off um, thinking about other people.
1: With that said, I would like to add in that our notions are determined by the five senses and in order to have conscious karma, we need to be conscious about these five senses and uh, not develop unconscious notions and thoughts that lead to the you know unconscious karma which is beyond comprehension and we don't uh, understand that. So with that said, I think it was a wonderful episode on karma and thank you so much Mike for your inputs and we'll see you all for the next episode.